Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today we're going to um, continue from what we did last week where we were talking a bit about iTunes Connect. And uh, we thought it would be kind of good to dive into the specifics about setting up a app in iTunes Connect. And I think specifically, like not the actual, like the practical part of it, setting it up in iTunes Connect and like which, where the boxes are and what to set up. But there's a lot of metadata that you have to set up when you're creating a new app that I think is something that is often hard. It's like, hey, I always kind of don't, I kind of put off doing it because I enjoy the creation of the app part more than I do like writing the app store description or setting the keywords or uh, creating screenshots because that's often a nightmare. But it's an important part. Like the reality is all of the work we do in creating the app is going to be completely wasted if we have a bad presence in the app store and the way that we control our presence in the app store um, is by setting this stuff up. And so it seemed like maybe a worthwhile episode to kind of go through all the fields that iTunes Connect gives us um, to set up. And then you can kind of talk about um, our experiences in creating, in you know, how we set the stuff up, the considerations we have, um, and kind of go from there. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I love iTunes Connect. Yeah. <laughs> and so I guess the first place, maybe we'll start with the prettiest thing, is uh, the icon or now actually the icons, plural, for um, our apps when we set them up. Because I believe if you did like we're an app on every platform possible, you would have to create, I think it's four icons. Um, you'd have the, I- the, the iPhone iPad icon, and then you'd have the watch icon, the iMessage icon, and I think Apple TV would have a different app icon too. Um, and so you have to create you know, an icon that works uh, well for all of those. Um, they have all of slightly different constraints and different sizes um, and different rules. Like Apple Watch icons, for example, cannot have uh, dark backgrounds. Um, that's one of the rules for Apple Watch icons. Honestly, I didn't even know about that. <laughs> I've been rejected for it uh, two or three times. So I've learned the hard way to not do that. Because basically, because the honeycomb screen on an Apple Watch has a black background that is always black, um, they don't want you to have a app icon that kind of blends into that. And so you can't have a, if you, if, you know, if your icon was a, you know, a white glyph on a black background, you would, you'd get rejected. And so I've had to go in and, you know, like for activity plus plus, for example, which is on the iPhone version is essentially a black icon with a, a you know, colorful glyph on it. Um, on the Apple watch version, it has a, you know, a dark gray, uh, background with the same glyph on it and just you know but something to keep in mind that when you're creating an icon there's lots of these sort of little constraints and details that you may have to think through that it isn't just the you know it isn't just the 120 um pixel version that you're going to show on the iphone screen like there's lots of other places that it may show up um and including the itunes connect version like the big version of it that you have to submit that's you know 10 128 120 10 10, 10 24 by 10 24 i think i think so yeah and like you know so you have to have an, a, an icon that scales well between all those different sizes yeah it's, it, this is one of those one of those areas where I, like i think designers who are picky about such things uh, used to take great care to custom scale every single little icon and make sure that the pixels were lined up properly in Illustrator and everything else and custom tweak all the different sizes. And I think now more and more people are just just like having a batch script that just runs image magic and just <laughs> takes the big one and resizes it down to every size you need uh, in a big batch automatically because 
there's so many now that doing anything custom is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and I think it's it's, it's in reality is there's so many different. It's like the nature of the displays we have, and it's actually probably a good segue into screenshots because screenshots used to be something that I like. I would go through the process of setting up different screenshots for every single device. Um, and then if you localize, like you can end up, you know, there are times that I've generated, um, you know, it's like hundreds of screenshots that I have to get set up in iTunes connect. Um, but last year, I think it was, they changed the mechanism and you can now specify, you know, a, if, if you just submit the plus sized iPhone screenshot, for example, you can then say, use this for all the other smaller sizes, um, which is something that I, I've definitely taken advantage of um, in a lot of cases because, you know, it's, it's, you get the impression that these icons, that they're never, or these screenshots, they're never displayed like at their native resolution. They're always shrunk down, they're always smushed. And so being too precious about them um kind of like we were saying with icons where you know it, it there's some maybe some value if you can if you have control over how that icon is going to be displayed that being precious about making sure it's lined up perfectly and exactly the right size maybe is useful but i think the more pragmatic solution for a lot of this stuff is you know apple changes all the time the say this you know the way the, the, sh- the shape and the size um, that a screenshot is shown in. I mean, even just the same screenshot will probably be shown at least three different sizes to a user. If they, when they're in the search area, uh, you know, the first two screenshots show up there and they're really small and you tap on it and then they get bigger. And if you tap on them again, they'll go essentially full screen. And so there's no way that you're going to have sort of pixel perfect um, artwork there. And so in the end, I've just kind of simplified and said, you know what, I'm just going to use the... Um, the ability to, you know, just give one set of screenshots and then make my screenshots, um, you know, it's like spend more time making my screenshots good rather than spending that time um, just creating dozens and dozens of screenshots for not really a huge payoff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've I've found similar benefits of like, like I recently stopped doing separate screenshots for the four inch phones, uh, the iPhone SE 5S, uh, because you know, once they added the ability for me to to have the 4.7 screenshots applied to that, uh, I said that's fine because like if I look at my analytics, I can see like which screen sizes are people actually really using in large numbers, and yeah, it doesn't it, the numbers aren't that great for some of the edge cases. Similarly with iPad, because um, you can't I forget you can't have just 9.7 and have it show that to the 12.9 right like will it ever scale up or does it only scale down it only ever scales down so you you have to you have to specify the 12 inch one um at least yeah that's unfortunate i I wish they would change that but uh but i kind of understand why they don't because it's easier for an app to to scale down than up you know with you know user expectations but anyway uh but yeah like generally i found that like you can now specify so much in uh, you know, in in screenshots and everything else, descriptions, localizations, you you can specify so much that it, in the early days, the 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 standard wisdom was, well, of course, why wouldn't you just do it all? Why wouldn't you give as much information, as many screenshots, as many assets as you possibly can? Uh, but these days, there are just so many that it's it's actually fairly prohibitive to require that. Um, I also don't update them unless the underlying interface changes noticeably like if i change 
you know, a couple of pixels here or there, I won't have to take the screenshots because it, does, it isn't worth the time. Uh, if I, you know, it, it has to change a lot for me to actually update the screenshots, like because it, it, it has to basically be a change that people would actually notice the difference between the screenshots and the app. Um, and similarly, like you know, I, yeah, there's all sorts of things that you need to maybe do to the screenshots, you know, cleaning them up. Uh, if you like, do things like fixing the status bar. Uh, to make it, you know, like the nice, even, you know, full battery, no carrier, you know, stuff like that. Like basically, what you get when you when you toggle the um, when you toggle it into QuickTime Capture mode, um, which I don't know. Do people know that you can do that? Like, is this a widely known thing? I don't know. It's probably worth specifying here. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, this is a thing when Apple added the ability to do app preview videos, which we'll probably also discuss. Um, they they added to. QuickTime on the Mac, QuickTime player on the Mac, the ability to use the iPhone as a screen capture device and record screencast movies onto the Mac of the iPhone screen. And so this is very useful for recording iPhone stuff. One of the side effects of this is whenever the iPhone is being captured by QuickTime, uh, the iPhone goes into a special mode where its status bar gets replaced with this perfect version that's, that displays the time is 942, 941. 941. Yeah, 941 a.m. And displays it as full battery, full reception, no ugly carrier name. So it basically makes you a perfect, pretty status bar. Uh, and as long as the uh, as long as the phone is connected to QuickTime in this way, it stays that way. So what I usually do, if I can't easily like you know fake them with static uh, status bars that I've generated elsewhere, uh, is I will take all of my screenshots with the phone in this mode, with it connected to QuickTime, so I have perfect status bars in all of them. Uh, it's a neat little hack that you know you can do. I, I wish it was easier to do this. There are there are some hacks. There's um, something called status bar magic that uh, that at one time at least would uh, change the iOS simulator into this mode, which made it even easier. But I believe that that doesn't work anymore, or occasionally doesn't work with new versions or whatever else. But that's a nice little way to get nice clean screenshot status bars. Yeah, and I think it's probably worth also just talking briefly about what I th- what makes a good screenshot. Yeah, because I feel like there's there's like these there's this wide spectrum of what you can do in a screenshot. Like on the one ex- extreme, you have the screenshots that are like um like illustrations or whatever, where you have like a three D iPhone in space. That's like I've seen a lot of them recently now, where they have an iPhone that's like tilted to the side that spans two screenshots. So it's like taking advantage of the fact that the first two screenshots are shown next to each other um, in the search area. And so they'll like take an iPhone and like turn it to the side and make it sort of almost a landscape, th- you know, thing across diagonally. Um, you can take like that's the one extreme where you have that, or you have lots of words in your you know in in your screenshots we'll be like you know awesome amazing super terrific app um written in the <laughs> screenshot um or on the other extreme you have screenshots that are just screenshots of the app i suppose like things that are less trying to explicitly tell you a story and more just show you what the app um is like um i've tried both i think in general i've tended towards doing the just screenshots of the app um, approach, I find that that I think is, I'm better able to execute it, A, in terms of I'm not a great designer. Like coming up with pretty clever things is not really my, you know, my, my forte. And I think I try and typically in my screenshots, I tell, trying to like tell a story in the sense of having them be consistent with each other. You know, so I try not to have show the app 
like you know it depends on the app but you know if i'm say in sleep plus plus if i have a detailed view of a night um you know that same night will also appear in the first screenshot where it was like the the roll-up view and things like that just so that there's some consistency across it that you could kind of see how someone would be using the app um you know but mostly i think the purpose of these screenshots is just to give someone a sense of what the app is like um and i think you in general do better doing it that way than trying to be too cutesy with it um but maybe i'm just not artistic enough to make a really good cutesy uh approach yeah i feel like i i've never actually tried the whole like abstract version of screenshots where you remove where it is it's no longer actually a screenshot of the app and you you add text around it and you span it across multiple frames i've i've never actually done this and, and the main reason why um similar to your reasons is that a i don't think I, I would be very good at it and b it feels like that shouldn't be allowed um it, it's, it's one of those things kind of like um like adding keywords after your app title um which i didn't do but now i do uh in part because when i created overcast uh the the strict name overcast was already taken so i had to put something else after it um but i i also now do it because I think it benefits me in search where now, you know, the name of my app officially is overcast colon podcast player. Similarly, I, I think, I think doing these, these like fancier, non actually screenshot screenshots, I think it, it shouldn't be allowed. I, I honestly think it, it, that should be a rule in the app store. Those should not be allowed, but it's so widespread. I mean, almost every app with any budget at all does that now. Uh, it is, it is, almost ridiculous how universal that is and, and how incredibly perverted the concept of screenshots have become like it, there, it is nothing like actual screenshots for most apps uh there now they might as well just say marketing image one through five like that's because that's really what they are now uh there's there is no relevance to screenshots at all ultimately i suspect that people like us will probably have to do that at some point maybe now maybe in the future just because it probably does work better to get because it it does make your app look fancier because you're able to show big marketing text and and all these like fancy things that that a a standard screenshot would not show and again like i wish it wasn't allowed but the fact is it is allowed and everyone's doing it and we might be at a disadvantage by not doing it yeah and of course the funny thing is i believe it did used to not be allowed um, you know, like the, the advantage of having been in the app store since it began, I'm pretty sure it used to be a strict rule that you couldn't do that. And then people started, you know, getting a little bit cl- more clever with it where it used to be like some, every now and then you'd have an app where it was, you wouldn't have any words, but you would put the a screenshot on an iPhone. So you just have a little border on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of, that border got smaller and then you'd start putting, start putting words. And then I remember, I think when I knew that like whatever the war was over and it was now going to be allowed was when <laughs> the Apple Store app um like the official Apple Apple Store app for iPad was released um and its screenshots included you know like a shrunk down version running on an iPad with you know black text on a white background you know on, on a white uh background is their screenshot and it's like all right well if Apple's doing it in their own apps now I guess that war is done and uh, now it is allowed. But yeah, it's it's a tricky thing because I feel like I don't like it too much. I mean, I can see why people use it, but I, for one thing, 
anytime you put text in a screenshot like that and it gets resized so many different ways, like text doesn't resize very cleanly and nicely. And I think it can always, it can often look a bit tricky, you know, look not as nice as you might want it to be. Um, and I think also it makes it less localized or makes localization much more complicated. Um, because suddenly, you know, there's just a lot of apps, the core of the app doesn't need localization. You know, it's like if I have a, you know, an app that displays your step count, like your step count is your step count. And I mean, there's certainly some countries where you would display, you know, there's different small little texts that are different, but you can get a better sense of the app, you know, but if I've been big letters above, you know, step count, like that only really works if you're looking at the app store, um, in English. And so doing something more specific is a little bit problematic in that regard as well. Yeah. And it's also interesting that, uh, that the, the watch, and app preview videos explicitly prohibit anything beyond screenshot like of the actual app running yeah uh but uh, like i know in preview videos it seemed like that was starting to maybe not get enforced as strictly recently and uh, <laughs> that's probably over too though it's important to remember that with uh, watch screenshots you want to set the time to uh 10.09. Oh yeah um that is the official i don't know these things are always kind of funny that they become these, you know, <laughs> these 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 like little traditions that you know iphone screenshots should be set at 941 watch screenshots should be set at 1009 well that's um, that's not because of the unveiling time that, that's a that's a watch thing long, long yeah, story yeah. i mean anyway. that's because it makes the watch look happy right yeah pretty much and it shows the logo and it frames it nicely anyway uh we are sponsored this week by linode linode gives you fast powerful hosting for your projects you can set it up in just seconds they have easy to understand tools that let you choose your resources and linux distro giving you the power and flexibility that you need and Linode plans now start at just five dollars a month that's incredible for a linux server with one gig of ram in the linode cloud Linode has over 400,000 customers, two of them are talking to you right now, who are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC with the Linode community. If you need help, they are there for you. They have comprehensive guides and support documentation to teach you everything you need to know for setting up and managing your own virtual servers. In fact, I would say like a lot of times when whenever I'm like searching for how to do something on, on, on a Linux server, very often, the result I get from a web search is Linode's page on how to do it. Like, have you have you had that happen to you too? Oh, sure. Yeah. No. I mean, they're very. And I think what I love too is they have very good documentation across different distributions. Yes. And their control panel is nicely designed with a focus on ease and simplicity. You can deploy, boot, resize, and clone your VPSs in just a few clicks. They also have two-factor authentication if you want it. Uh, They are the full package for your server infrastructure needs. Linode has the power you require and the infrastructure and assistance you want. So they have awesome new pricing options available now. You can get a new server with one gig of RAM for just $5 a month. You can go all the way up with pretty much every step in the middle up to 16 gigs of RAM for only 60 bucks a month. They're two gig plan now includes 30 gigs of storage for 10 bucks a month these are just some of the amazing values at linode i have a really hard time finding a better value in the hosting business than linode and this is not new this has been the case for for a few years now the value you get there is just incredible the performance you get uh it's it's awesome that's one of the reasons one of the many reasons why i'm so happy with linode so as listener of this show go sign up at linode.com slash radar you will support us and you will get 20 dollars towards any linode plan by doing that once again linode.com slash radar for 20 bucks off any linode plan and with a seven day money back guarantee there's nothing to lose so you can also use promo code radar 2017 at checkout for that 20 bucks off so once again linode.com slash radar to learn more and sign up thank you very much to linode for supporting this show 
So the next kind of big area of setting up an app in iTunes Connect is probably writing the description, um, which is an area that I feel like I have very mixed feelings about because <laughs> it's displayed very prominently, um, you know, at least the first two lines of it or the first you know c- couple of sentences yeah. of it are very displayed very prominently in the App Store. But I know for myself that I never basically read them um, for any app that I've ever downloaded. Like, I mostly just look at screenshots and base my decisions of if I want to download the app from that. And so I, tr- I kind of go back and forth when I'm writing these on how important they are, how, you know, how much information I want to put in there. Do I want to do it as kind of like a wall of text or should I do a bulleted list? Um, like there's definitely this this weird tension there because it is one of the few opportunities this, this 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 opportunity to reach out to our customers and you know talk to them directly, um, but I think in recent years what I've tended towards is you know the app store description is as short as I can write it like I tend to write one paragraph like maybe four or five sentences at most. Um, that describes the app and its core functionality. And then below that, I tend to do a bulleted list of kind of like the checklist features that um, someone might be wondering about. You know, it's like, does this integrate with this? Does this use this? Um, that kind of thing. And then I just like, that is my description. So the, the top level thing, and especially that first sentence has to be as good as I can make it because for most users, that's all they'll ever see. Um, and so I want to make, like, describe the app in, it's like the elevator pitch for the app. It's like in that first, you know, maybe 120 characters or so, like you really need to be able to dial in exactly what the app does and why someone might want it. Anything beyond that first couple of sentences, I, I find not to have much effect at all. And this is yet another field of the app store, just like screenshots where like, you know, a- abuse was pretty rampant from day one. And so it stopped very quickly it stopped being used for any kind of search relevance as far as we can tell um and it's you know most app descriptions are filled with like you know star 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 on sale now star 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 or uh, a list of apps that it's similar to or or a list of like you know websites that might have said something about it once 10 years ago or something like they're fairly low value as as a reader and I, i find that as as far as we can kind of guess or figure it doesn't seem like people read them very closely this is one area though where like and this this applies to a lot of these metadata things uh that if you have a free app you're at a serious advantage because if you have a paid app i feel like people will people probably give these things more scrutiny description screenshots everything else whereas if you have a free app it's so easy to just tap that get button and just try it for yourself, which is way better than than trying to spend 15 minutes waffling over, you know, four different app descriptions, figuring out which ones. Like, if it's free, you can just get it and see and see for yourself whether it's free or not. And so I think for free apps, these things matter a lot less. Um, but for, you know, for paid apps, it's it's obviously probably a different story because you know, the, the buyer behavior is different. But um, this is kind of yet another area where if you have a free app, you do have some advantages that like you can put pretty much anything or nothing in, in these screenshots and description. And as long as it's like slightly relevant, you'll get people downloading it. Yeah. And I think it's also probably worth it. There's some weird things that you may also have to include in your description. Yeah. Um, like I know for myself, I do a lot of bunch of apps that integrate with HealthKit, and I need to include in the app store description, a little, I have a little sentence that says, you know, this app integrates with um, the health database on your iPhone um, you know, you'll be given the the option to grant or deny access to this or something like that. Like, I, and if I don't if I don't have that in my app store description, my app will be rejected. Um, and so, 
it's something to keep in mind that image varies based on the category but like for example that's something that you may need to do and so in a weird way this is the place where you put like the small print you know this is the like the like the legal disclaimers and things like you may need to also just put those at the bottom of your uh, description field to cover yourself there as well yeah same thing with uh, auto renewing subscriptions also have one of those required blurbs um and this really isn't documented anywhere. So you just have to basically submit an app without knowing that, get rejected, have the rejection tell you what the description needs to include, and then resubmit. Uh, that A lot of people have to go through that. Thank you very special thanks to uh, Curtis Herbert uh, of Coca Love fame for saving me that rejection loop on Overcast subscription last fall because he reminded me of it like right before I submitted. Or no, it was, it was right after I submitted, before it was reviewed, so I could still go and edit the description. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, the reality is, though, yeah, I, I don't worry about descriptions as much as I used to. Um, I worry, I, I agonize maybe over the first two, two or three sentences. And then beyond that, I'm just trying to be plain and simple and like straightforward. And I feel like that accomplishes most of what a description um, is you know, trying to do. Um, so I think the other areas that are you go through, you have to set the ratings for the app. I think that's fairly straightforward. Like you just kind of think about your app and like, does it include this? Does it does it include that? Um, and you just kind of check the box and, you know, it's the nice thing about that section is that as you're just, you know, saying, does it do this? Does it do that? You'll, the, up, you know, the rating that your app would get as a result will update in real time. And so you can get a sense of, you know, like, why is my app 13 plus or whatever? Um, then you can work out, you know, which of those criteria is doing that and then, you know, decide obviously if, if for, if for whatever reason that would be problematic for your application, then you can you know, make the appropriate changes. Um, and the keywords for it, I think, is the next area that um, is basically you just try and this is more, I feel like this, there's probably some like dark magic about this where people go into great you know, great depths of trying to work out what the optimum uh, keywords are for an app. And I used to go down that road a bit more. I mean, I try and be thoughtful about it now, and I always make sure that I fill out my keywords field. Because um, in theory, these are the, you know, these are the keywords that are used in search to determine if your app is going to show up or not. But I mean, the weird thing about it is unless your app is showing up very highly for one of these terms, it doesn't really matter if you show up on the search, you know, so if you include a term that you're going to, you know, be the hundredth search result for, it's as though you didn't include that keyword um, in some ways as well. Um, So mostly this is just trying to sort of cover your bases, be, um, and just put things in there that will help the app, I guess, you know, whatever the, the app store search engine understand your app better, you know, give it a lot of words. And then hopefully, you know, sometimes it's probably useful. Like if your app does, you know, it has a, you know, it has a, has a couple of, you know, branches, a couple of different genres of app or does a couple of different things, then like maybe it makes sense to uh, be crazy thoughtful and like dive into it. But beyond just that basic stuff, I kind of just, sit down think for 10 minutes and then move on yeah and you know like, and there are services and stuff that will help you allegedly optimize keyboards and stuff like that and uh honestly I, i've never found their high prices worth the risk of even trying them because it's it seems like it's very much like seo tactics of like this might work but it, you also are probably just getting ripped off yeah and one thing i will say that's probably worth thinking about is using the new search ads interface in that we got with the search ad stuff um you can there you can specify one of the things you can see is what keywords are showing up are you know are converting well against your app 
Um, and these can be ones that Apple is generating, not necessarily you're generating yourself. Um, and so one thing I have done subsequently is when I'll run a search campaign for an app and they'll go in and make sure that there aren't any w- keywords that are doing well in the search ad thing that are for whatever reason not showing up. Um, I didn't include in my keywords. And so it's just a good little like check to be like, huh, is there something here that I need to, I, I, you know, that I should include in my keywords or alternatively, you can see sometimes there's keywords that seem like they would be good keywords for your app. Um, but when I run a search campaign against them, they perform really poorly. Um, and so it's probably like, actually, maybe I don't want to show up, uh, in that area. Like there's a better keyword that I can, you know, that could, I could put in place of that one. Um, so that's another little tool that we have as we are trying to hone those in. Yeah. Um, and the last area is probably the app review notes area, um, which in some ways is something that you may think, oh, I never really need to use. But I will say it's always a good idea to try and think of it. Is there anything that you want to communicate to the app reviewer about your app? Um, and if so, put it in that field. Anything you've been rejected for in the past that have since, you've since fixed. Um, like I have a whole list of these for all my different apps that I'll, you know, it's like things that they, they you know, they, I was rejected for and I've since fixed. I will indicate that and write that out in the the app review notes and just say, hey, you know, I, like this was, a, you know, there there was one, there used to be a problem with this. It is, it was, it has since been resolved because sometimes the app reviewer will miss something and it just saves a bunch of time to just be very upfront and explicit and say, like, you used to, you know, there, you, I used to not have a restore purchases button. I do now. It works. It's great. And like, it just has saved me, I think, time over. It's probably saving app reviewers' time and my time to just be clear about these things. So, you know, take advantage of that field um, if it's something that you can think about. And with that, we're out of time this week. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.